Welcome to Declaration Church Online. We are so glad that you've joined us this morning. Our prayer is that you are deeply encouraged through Pastor John's message and that God would move in your life in a powerful way. God is doing big and amazing things right now in and through our church, and we would so love for you to be a part of it. Before we join the service in progress, I want to share a few quick things with you. We would love for you to interact with us at facebook.com slash declarehim. And if you would like more information about all things Declaration Church, please visit us at declaration.org. Now, as we join the service, I would like to say, welcome home. It's good to see you this morning. Everybody doing all right? No, good, perfect, that's great. Man, are you guys awake with me today? Are you here? Anybody watch college football yesterday? How about those Longhorns, anybody? I just, I'm just sorry about that, no. All right, anybody watch the Aggie game? Yeah, that too, all right. It's okay, it's okay, you got a long road ahead. Well, man, it's, it's good to be here. I wanna, I'd be amiss to not talk about this. I'm excited because this last week, small groups launched. Everybody say whoop for small groups if you're an Aggie. Say oh me if you're not. All right, so uh, small groups are the place where you really want to be. I want to encourage you. I don't want this from you. I don't want more time on your calendar. I really do want this for you. As a church, we believe that small groups are where you're going to be deeper, connected. You're going to be, um, well, I, I, I liken it to sometimes we need to be in the foxhole with some friends and family, Right? And so that's where it's going to happen. And so I want to encourage you, please, please, please go to declaration.org. Look for one of those small groups. There's all sorts of different ones out there. And um, man, really great places for you to connect in with some people who love Jesus and who will love you. And that's just important for our spiritual growth and um, just for fellowship and prayer. It's important. So do that, all right? Uh, We've been in a series over the last four weeks called Three Little Words, where we see these seemingly small three-word phrases in Scripture and... And we read them, but, but if you read and, and, and you dig into that, you realize that these three small words have absolutely massive implications on our life. Um, there are actually three little words that can change everything. We began on week one in the book of John with the last three words of Jesus, where he said, it is finished. Um, powerful, profound words that have so much truth that, that is declared, oh, that, you know, for us, on the flip side, there's so much about our life um, that was changed because of those three words. Um, we studied in a lot of places on that next week, week two, where we saw the three words as love, love your neighbor, love thy neighbor, maybe your translation says. But we kind of honed in on Matthew 22, um, looking at verses 37 through 39, and we see the greatest commandment there. We actually saw it all throughout the scripture around nine different times where right here, Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength, love your neighbor as yourself. He says, this is the greatest and most important command. Um, so because it is finished, we love God. That should be our natural response. If we really understand the gravity of the last three words of Jesus as he hung on a cross in the place that we deserved, truthfully in the place where we belonged, where we would belong, and he said, it is finished. He was saying, I have paid in full the debt owed by the world for their brokenness, for their sinfulness. If we understand that, it, it, it brings us to a place of a response that I hope, I pray is, thank you, God, but also I, I, I love you, God. I love you, 
based upon the greatest love that you have for me, that you would lay your life down, that it would lead us to that type of life of response. I love you. Now, after that week, we, we moved into week three. Here am I, send me from Isaiah. And we saw where Isaiah was given a mission by God to say some things to a people. They were pretty hard things. And, but, but here's the deal. Even with um, something ahead of Isaiah that might appear to be a, a very difficult task, it did not compare to the presence of God if you look at Isaiah 6. And he finds himself in this, this uh, just this overwhelming moment in the presence of God where the glory of God was so all-consuming that it literally wrecked him for anything and everything else. I mean, it's, it's basically the lyrics that we just sang um, alive in scripture. He was undone for anything. And so no matter what God had on the flip side of that moment of encounter, Isaiah was ready to say, here am I, God. Do whatever you wish and do whatever you want because of the greatness and of the glory and the goodness of God. So that's where we were, that's where we were in week three. Now, I want you to think about that because I, I think it's important to know, just to remind you, Isaiah's message that he was about to deliver was not exactly a great message. But we, on the other hand, have the most life-giving, most life-changing message of all to give to people in Jesus. I mean, we have the greatest news possible about a free gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ. And so our posture of here my God just makes so much sense with a big old exclamation point. I'm reminded of our friend Carla, who I talked about briefly in that week, and, and how she found herself under an overpass, because that's where she went to get along with the Lord. And, and in that moment, someone came through and got their car stuck in the mud, not amiss the symbolism of someone's life being stuck. And, and, and Carla develops this conversation with her, finds out that she's, a, um, she's, she's high on something, She's been on a 12-week or a 12-hour shift as a sex worker, and now here she is stuck. And as Carla's talking to her, Carla says, I, I need you to know I believe God sent me here today to, to, to tell you that, that God is trying to, he's, he, he's trying to reach you. And, and just the powerful moment where maybe that that person didn't receive that truth in that moment, but the truth is, is that person will never forget that encounter. See, here's the truth about all of us. We all find ourselves in a situation at one point or another where we look back to a moment and that moment could have been someone who was bold enough and loving enough to share the truth of, of Jesus with you. Carla could say, you know what? You're never, forgetting, you're never gonna forget this because I didn't ever forget that one time that that weirdo came to me and told me about Jesus. And when I found myself at the bottom, by the way, Carla, a self-professed atheist, finds Jesus on her kitchen floor because she's so desperate and she remembered that moment that that weirdo, she said, told her that Jesus loved her, that he had a plan for her life. Powerful stuff. Last week, Pastor Aaron down here, he gave us a great message on our role as believers, as followers of Jesus that were to feed his sheep. Now, please let me say this. I, I believe that this is God's will for our lives as a church and as a people that that we are to love God and love others and we are to serve God and serve others. That is God's will. Before we get into the nuance and to the weeds of, but God, what did you create me specifically for? Generally speaking, um, know God and make him known. Love God and love others. Serve God and, and serve others. This is the most beautiful will that, that I can say of God for us and for our church. God desires to actively use us daily for us to be on co-mission 
with him, meaning that we live out the great commandment and we live out the great commission, the great commandment being that from week two, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor also. And the great commission that we see in Matthew 28, if you go with me in your Bible, we'll have it on the screen to you, verses 19 and 20, where Jesus says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teach them to observe everything that I have commanded to you, and remember that I'm with you to the end of the age. Maybe your translation says, hello, I am with you because your Bible's British. That's good too. So today, as we really begin to dig into this last week of this series, Three Little Words, I want to take you to the origin of all of this. Um, I want to give you the why even behind the what of the three words that we examined on week one of It Is Finished. I kind of feel like we kind of had to like, um, we started with the foundation of something, but now in week five, we're going to go to the why behind the what of even that foundation, if that makes sense. And, and there are three words that aren't technically our words for the day, but they are the words that kind of launch us into where we're going to go. Now, I want to tell you something. The, the words from today are not exactly scriptural, like you're not going to see them plainly in the red, but they are deeply contextual. They're deeply contextual. And also, they're highly applicable. And so that's why we're ending the way that we're ending. But if we go to the origin of this whole thing, and we, and we look back, the three words that I want to begin with are simple. God so loved. God so loved. Now, if you go to John 3, 16, some of you may be like, yeah, I know that verse. I've heard that my whole life. Some of you will actually see it. It's probably the only good, truthful thing that you'll see today on the Cowboys game from the end zone of somebody holding up a billboard. But if you, if you see this, John 3, 16 says this. I love you. I love the Cowboys. They just, they break my heart every year. For God so loved the world in this way that he gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. God so loved. He's so loved. Now listen, when you read this, if you're like me, you've read this thousands of times. But I want you to read it a little differently today. This is the way I want you to read it. I want you to read it like this. For God so loved the world. He so loved the world. See, it's a little different when you read it that way because now you're seeing some emotion behind it. You're feeling some gravity behind God so loved the world that he gave Jesus so that everyone who would believe would never perish but would live forever and ever. Our hearts must be gripped by the statement of truth. God so loved. We must believe and receive this, even for ourselves. Look, some of you, can I just say this? This is for free. I didn't say this in nine, so it's for somebody. When you look at the mirror, you're having a hard time loving you. But listen to me. God so loved you that even in your most filthy state, he saw that at the beginning of time, yet still created you and yet still would send his son on your behalf so that you could have a relationship with him. He loves you. He loves you. He sees past the exterior that we love to judge you by as people. And he sees what he's created. And he, I mean, he, he is passionately in love with you. You've heard me say it before. I'll say it a thousand times because I just like it. He is cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs over you. All right? He loves you. He loved you and he loves you even now. Here's another thing that maybe some of us can't 
buy for ourselves. We can't receive this for whatever reason. When you look at yourself in the mirror, maybe you have been told things contrary to this, so you've chosen to believe the lie and the accusation that has been spoken over you, which is, can I just say this? It's a curse that has been spoken over you. And I'm gonna tell you, he loves you even now. I don't care what has happened in your past. I don't even care what happened last night, maybe for some of you. God absolutely loves you. He loves you. There is nothing that you will ever do or can do that can change that. Students, especially, I want you to hear me today. God loves you. There is nothing that you have ever or will ever do. Doesn't give you a license, right? Doesn't give any of us a license to just live however we want to live. Romans 6, you need to read it. There's a context of the whole. But man, he loves you. And there's nothing that you would have ever done in your entire life that would make that be different. Loves you. Our hearts have to be gripped by this because see what happens is this. When our hearts are gripped by this truth and we can believe and receive and understand the gravity of the love of God, then all of a sudden we see things different and we see people differently. We see life differently. If our hearts aren't gripped by the love of God, then our lives are probably not gonna be changed by the love of God. We will not understand nor live into the purpose of God for our lives if we don't understand and receive and believe the love of God, we'll never really be able to live on commission with God if we don't receive the love of God. See, to love him and to love people is, this is the greatest privilege of our lives. And it's so, sometimes so hard because of so many competing voices and so many other things that we give our time and our attention and our affection and our allegiance to. But I'm just here to tell you, listen, this is the greatest privilege of our being is to love God and know God and then to love others, to love others, to love others. See, God so loved the world that he gave Jesus, on our behalf, this is the gospel message. This is the gift, the good news of God, that he gave Jesus, that whoever would would believe would receive this free gift of life through Christ. They would never perish. They would never um, die eternally. They would eternally live forevermore, and God will fulfill you. He will satisfy you. All of the things that we seek to satisfy self always fall empty but he will satisfy you. That's why when you see the Sermon on the Mount and you see blessed are, blessed are, blessed are those, blessed are those, blessed are those, change that to say more than satisfied are those. That's what blessed are means. More than satisfied. More than satisfied. God so loved the world. So follow this. Because God so loved the broken world, he sends Jesus. I'm just gonna summarize it just to to make sure that we're hearing it. It's kind of like Waymaker. We're going to keep singing it till you believe it, all right? Some good stuff there. If you're like, oh my gosh, they're singing this again. Yeah, you sing the same songs every day. Trust me, get in the car, turn it on. It's only the same five songs on KSBJ. Like, it's five. (laughs) And you're like, why don't they sing songs like KSBJ? They do. (laughs) It's a good song. Do we believe this? So here it is. Here's the gospel. God so loved the broken world that he sends Jesus. Jesus dies on our behalf. He declares it is finished once and for all. No other sacrifice would need to be made to pay for your sin because Jesus took it upon himself completely and fully. Every sin of the world that you had ever committed, he paid for in that moment. He paid the debt you and I could never pay. 
He took on what you and I deserved for our, our sinfulness and our brokenness and our disobedience and our choice to just feed our flesh all the time and pursue the passions of a broken world. And how tragic and sad is it that now that broken world that pursues the passion that leads to brokenness now is justifying in the name of my truth or whatever else. I almost wanted to post this, but I've been very careful about how I, what I post. But I just want to say, this is my truth. This is it. But you know what? That's not going to help nobody. I'll say that to you because you're my church and I love you. And I hope that you would say the same thing. But posting this is no more than a drive-by slap. I don't want to do that to somebody. I want to love people. So he loves the world. He pays the debt on our behalf. We owe the debt. We couldn't pay it. He pays it. And because of this, our response, we love God. We love God. And because we love God, we love people. We love people. And because we love people, we make ourselves available to God to be used by God. Here am I. Send me, God. I will serve your people. And because we follow God, we should be grieved by the fact that some of the people that God deeply loves are desperately far from him. So in faith, we make ourselves available to God. Here am I. Send me. I want to say it like this. And not here am I, God. Here am I, God. Okay, I'll do it. Okay, you got me. No, God, pick me. Pick me. Pick me, God. Pick me, 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 God. Me, me, God. I should be first in line going, pick me. God, pick me. Anybody remember sixth grade kickball? A little awkward. Junior high, you're like, oh my gosh, I hope they pick me for the kickball team first. Please pick me first. Pick me first. Pick me first. Pick me first. No, that's what I'm talking about. Pick me, God. Can I say why this is so important just on a very practical level? Someone I was having a conversation with from our church, I wish I remember who was telling me this just the other day. Oh, it was Pastor Bruce. And you told me that Montgomery County is the number one suicide rate for teenagers in the nation, in the state. This is our backyard. It's our backyard. This stuff matters. And can I also just take you to another place? And, and I, I want you to hear what I'm saying because I don't want it to sound I'm negative. I'm not negative about this, but I was talking to the staff this week in staff meeting because I, right before staff, I got this email. And on one, on one side of my heart, I was so um, grateful for one of our principals in our area who, by the way, is just an incredible principal. But on the other side of, I was conflicted because I was frustrated. And here's what I, the email was. She was talking about an email. She was like, hey, look, we've seen the need that there's a lot of our kids that are really battling a lot of depression and anxiety because of what's going on at home with parents and divorce. So we're going to start basically a club for these kids so they have a place to come and talk about their feelings and maybe get encouraged and find some help. I love that. I was like, man, thank you so much for being observant to hurting people. But on the flip side, I'm just going to be honest, and I thought, this frustrates me because what you're doing right now is exactly what the church is here to do. And this is what the church should be doing. This is what we should, because let me say this too, as, as much as I love the heart behind what's happening, and as much as I respect um, tools and psychology and things like this, I deeply do, I believe God gives it to us. Can I say this? The tools and the psychology without Jesus is just going to leave you flat. It's not going to really fix it. It might help you for a minute, 
but it's not going to walk you through and break off the, general, the generational curses that might have been, been launched through what's happened right there. It's not going to stop the cycle, potentially. It might make somebody feel better for a minute, all right? And please hear me say this. If you're divorced in the house, this is not a, a slam against you. I hear, hear my heart behind this. Sometimes things happen, and sometimes there's reasons why. And, and that's not what we're here to talk about today. It's not what we're debating What we're talking about is the fact that the church has a mission that only the church, the bride of Jesus, can fulfill. And when the bride of Jesus is not fulfilling the mission that God has called them to, everything else will stand up and try to look like a a very positive replica, but it doesn't have the power of the real thing. Somebody better write that down. That's tweetable. I don't know. It just came. So pick me, God. Pick me. See, understand this. It's not that because we love and follow Jesus that we have to serve and love people. It's we love and follow Jesus so we get to serve and love people. Do you see it? It's different. We get to. It's a privilege. It's something that we want to do. It just comes from within us. We can't help ourselves. It should be our joy and our privilege to serve God and to serve others. Let me illustrate it for you this way. Go to, go to Mark chapter 2 if you've got your Bible. We're going to kind of cross-reference this story in a couple ways, uh, book of Luke especially for one verse, so, because I want you to see some other information that's important. But we're going to really hone in on Mark 2, just a few verses this morning. And I want to give you the context before we dive into Mark 2 to help you understand what's kind going on in the background here. I want you to see um, how this is lived out in a biblical way, right? I want you to see that because God so loved, we we can't help ourselves or we shouldn't be able to help ourselves. So we're going to pick up in Mark 2 and and Jesus has returned to Capernaum. He's home. People find out and, and they begin to gather, all right? Every time Jesus begins to like speak and minister, people gather, a crowd gathers and a crowd begins to gather more crowd. And so he finds himself in this house. The, the house is full of people. I mean, there's people everywhere, and they're leaning in, man. They want to be near Jesus. Um, some of them are religious types. We'll get to that in a minute. But the, the house is full. That's what I want you to know. And, and so as, as Jesus is, as, as he's just being Jesus, he begins to teach. He begins to discuss the word of God. And that's kind of where we pick up in the story, Mark chapter 2, verse 3. And then I want you to see this. Understanding that picture in your mind, it says, then, right, they came bringing to him this paralyzed man who's being carried by four men. All right, so you, you see the scene. It's a packed house. It's, it's completely full. And now these people have this guy that they're carrying on this cot, this mat, if you will, and he's paralyzed, and they want to they get to the party. Unfortunately, they didn't get a good ticket in the beginning, and so they don't have a seat, and, and they got a problem, right? And that's what we're going to see. One of those, before we go, let me, let me take you to Luke um, chapter 5, verse 17, because there's an important piece of information that we don't see in Mark. Same story, a little bit more information. So look at Luke 5, 17. It says this. One of those days while he was teaching, Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there who had come from every village of Galilee and Judea and also from Jerusalem. So remember, the house is packed. You got a lot of people who were there because they're kind of enamored by what is Jesus doing? What is he saying? Maybe you've got some people there that need Jesus's touch. They need to be in his presence. They need healing. Maybe you've got some people, but here's one thing that you do have. You've got some religious people there and the religious people are there to kind of listen and we got to figure this guy out. We got to figure out a way to shut him down. We got to trick him in some way. We got, we got to do away with this nonsense. So you've got 
You've got kind of a mixed hodgepodge in this full house. But there's one sentence at the end of Luke 5.17 that I want you to see because it's not in Mark. Understanding context, full room. You've got these guys, paralyzed dude on a mat. They're carrying him, trying to get him to Jesus. This is the sentence of Luke 5.17. No matter what's happening, no matter who's there for whatever motivation, um, it says this. And the Lord's power to heal was in him. The Lord's so Jesus is teaching, and God's power is in him to heal. Room's full. Here comes these guys. There's no space. There's no spot. So understand, people everywhere. Obviously, the word had been out. If you look in Luke, before you get to that passage in Luke 5.17, you see that some, Jesus has already done some other things. Some miracles have happened. So the word is out. People believe Jesus could heal. People had been healed. And now here's these guys dragging their buddy on this mat because obviously they're motivated in some way. I think two things motivate them. Number one, they knew that their friend had a deep need that only Jesus could fix. But number two, even more motivating than than that is they must have loved their friend. They must have had stronger than compassion. Look, compassion compassion will make you call in and give a few dollars at a telephone. But love makes you pick your friend up on their mat and carry them across the city and then try to figure out a way to get them in the doors. And so so there they are, right? And we we begin to see this radical faith on display. The guys, they want to be near Jesus. They definitely want to get their friend near Jesus because only Jesus could fix this. So go back to Mark 2, verse 3, because I don't want you to miss this. Three powerful life-changing words. These are also not our words. We had God so loved, now we're going to see three more. Not quite our words yet. Hang with me. But three powerful life-changing words in verse three. It says, they came bringing to him a paralyzed man. See, out of love, these four friends brought to Jesus their friend in need. So let's keep going, verse four. When they were unable to get him because of the crowd... But they were unable to get to Jesus because of the crowd. They come up with a plan. They, they removed the roof above Jesus. And when they had dug out an opening, they let down the mat on which the paralyzed man was lying. Okay, so right there in verse four, there's like a whole lot of stuff, right? Like, oh, sure, yeah, so they just removed the roof. And removed the roof, it's like a party. No, they've got a plan. They've got to do something. The, the, the house is full. They've got to get their friends to Jesus. I don't know how far they... They carried him. I don't, I don't know the situation behind that. All I know is they have a, a vision that they are not going to, nothing's going to stop them. They're going to get their friend to Jesus, so they have to come up with a plan. I like to say that these four guys, anybody from the 80s, you watch the A-team growing up, I love it when a good plan comes together. One of those guys had to be MacGyver. There's not five, there's four, but I've got to believe that MacGyver's looking around going, okay, we got to do something. How about this? Let's go up those stairs right there, and let's lower them through the roof. What? Now, see, old houses in this, in this culture, sometimes, most often, they would have a staircase on the outside of the house leading up. Well, let's just take him up there. Let's, let, let's just take him through. The, let's lower him through the roof. Now, let's talk about the roof. A typical Syrian roof is constructed of timbers. They're usually laid parallel, about two to three feet apart. On top of that, crosswise over the timbers, they would lay um, these, these reeds and the, these branches of trees and, and certain things. And, and that whole thing basically ends up being overlaid with a foot of dirt, a foot of earth, and it's packed down tough and hard so it would resist water. Um, so all in all, this roof would be about two feet thick. And then sometimes in the springtime, grass would grow on top, and it was kind of like a little Smurf village from over the top. No, I'm just saying, that's my, 
That's my thing. But So that's the roof, right? So imagine, man, like let's just say I have a staircase here and me and three of my peeps here, all friends, we, we pick up our buddy and we're going to climb this stairs with him. We're going to go to the top of the roof. We're going to dig through. What was the crowd doing during this? Dirt's falling in. There's commotion. What's happening? Nothing's going to stop them. Nothing. I mean, these men were literally digging through the roof to get their buddy into the presence of Jesus. The crowd wasn't going to stop them. The roof wasn't going to stop them. Nothing. They knew their friend needed Jesus. I mean, he was paralyzed. He, he had no options at this point. He, he had such deep need. Only Jesus could probably do something to help their friend who was desperate in need. He was sick. He was, he was paralyzed. So nothing is going to stop them from getting their friend to Jesus. Would you please listen to me for just a second? Lean in if you have to, but don't, don't miss this. We all, every single one of us in our sphere of influence around us have a lot of paralyzed, sick friends in need. Every single one, they're, they're paralyzed in pain. They're paralyzed in shame. They're paralyzed in fear. They're paralyzed in isolation. They're desperate for freedom. And even maybe just desperate to hear someone say, man, I forgive you. You're forgiven. You know, one of the best things that we could do week after week is just remind other believers that no matter what, when you confess, man, you're forgiven. And God doesn't think about it anymore. You may be thinking about it the next few nights as you lay your head on the pillow and the enemy continues to just heap the condemnation upon you. Remind you of your past stuff. And so you go to God one more time. God, please forgive me. And he's like, forgive you for what? For what? So many friends around us, people around us, desperate, paralyzed, sick. We know the love of Jesus and we know that Jesus loves them and nothing should stand in our way from bringing people to Jesus. It's the first thing and one of the only things I really want you to take home with you today. Don't forget it. You need to be a bringer. Be a bringer. Not just so that we can build a big church. In fact, really, church, does, I mean, great, but that's not even what we're preaching today. You shouldn't look around and go, oh, empty chairs, church must be hurting. No, you should look around and go, empty chairs, there are people hurting. And good news, we have a space for them. And guess what? Even if all the chairs were full, we would put more out. <laughs> they would always look a little empty. It's a little trick we do with you. Because <laughs> we have a job to do. There are people who need freedom, and they need Jesus. We need to be a bringer. Are you hearing me today? Are you with me, church? I mean, they need Jesus. So understand, what we have to offer is not a cliche. It's not a self-help tip. What we have to offer in faith is a life-changing truth that can literally set someone free and change someone's situation forever and set them on the path. I mean, it will, it will literally um, it will, uh, empower them to walk in forgiveness, in freedom, into what God has designed for them to do, which is their purpose. Come on, somebody. Man, if that doesn't get you jazzed, nothing will. So check it out. You gotta love Jesus and trust Jesus enough to love people and take them to Jesus, trusting that when you take them to Jesus, he can change everything for them. 
Do we believe this? I mean, listen, if we believe it, tear down the walls if you have to. I mean, break through the roof if that's what it takes. Who else but us, right? Who else but us? Those of us who claim to know and love Jesus, who else but us are going to bring people in need to Jesus? And remember, and this is, please don't hear me say to church, though it's a great thing to do, who wouldn't, want, who wouldn't want everyone at the weekly family reunion to hang out and love each other? But I'm not, this is not, a, this is about bringing people to Jesus. Now, let me say this. We gotta be bringers. But, but that doesn't necessarily, that means maybe you bring them to or you take Jesus to. We'll get there, hold with me. Can I just say this? This is just a personal thing. And I think that there's probably some of you that might agree with me. I am kind of tired of Christians settling for religion. One time I was speaking at an old church revival and I made a, um, a statement. <laughs> Maybe you grew up the way I did and you heard this. Give me that old time religion. You know what I'm talking about? Finish it with me. Give me that old time religion. Give me that old time religion. It's good enough for... No, it is not. Really? It's good enough for me? Religion? Not. So I made this statement, man, I deeply offended a man. He walked up and he wanted to take me to school over that. And I said, look, I did not mean to offend you. That was my last hope here. My purpose of saying it is religion cannot save you and it's never gonna be good enough for you. It's gotta be Jesus. It's gotta be Jesus. It's gotta be Jesus. It's gotta be Jesus. I'm tired of Christians settling. Hear the word, I, words matter. I, 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 I focus on my words when I write them. Settling for religion. I'm also... I'm also just believing it's really time that, that Jesus people wake up and stand up in radical faith. It's time. So let's look at what happens next. Verse five, when Jesus saw their active faith, it says, springing from confidence in him, he said to the paralyzed man, son, I love that he says, son, your sins are forgiven. Now, of course, here's how the story ends. We're not gonna keep reading. I encourage you to keep reading because it gets gooder, all right? But here's how it ends. This man not only receives forgiveness, but also he, he receives complete healing. And the result of this, in spite of what the religious leaders were thinking and saying in that moment, because see, the, the, we gotta be careful. But in, in, because of this, the crowd begins to believe and glorify God. Man, this is what I'm praying for for our church, just so you know, just so that we're not stuttering and you're, you're, you're not clear. Here's clarity for you. I am praying that God begins to do such incredibly powerful things when we come together in his name and beg the Holy Spirit of God to be welcome that literally lives begin to be so transformed and changed, healings begin to happen on the reg, and then people start to go, man, I wanna know about Jesus. He's beginning to receive so much glory because guess what? No sermon or song can do that. Only the Spirit of God can. And when the Spirit of God begins to move in that way, man, Watch out, buckle up, buckle up. We won't even be able to have enough chairs. Keith, I don't know what we're gonna do because now we told him our secret, we put more out. What are we gonna do? You know what we're gonna do? We're gonna buy more chairs. What are we gonna do? Just so you know. 
or you're going to buy more chairs. Thank you for your giving, by the way. I appreciate that. <laughs> we got to be a bringer. Can I say this? Look, not, not long ago, God began to convict me and challenge me and um, with three simple words, three small words. In fact, this whole series was born from this right here, and it was months ago. But I didn't know how to do that in a series, and then all of a sudden, God's like, oh, yeah, it's five weeks. I'm like, God, how am I going to do five weeks out of these three words? Because, see, these three words, they're not exactly, like I said, they're not exactly scriptural, but they're deeply contextual and highly applicable. And so those three words, God began to say to me, everybody, if you know, you've heard me talk about this, I kind of have a sort of problem with McDonald's Diet Coke. I go through McDonald's quite a lot. I know which one's $1.07 and which one's $1.08, depending on how many pennies are in the tray. It's the one, one I go to. And, um, and so uh, I, I get to know some of these people, right? Like, tragically, because I go so many times, I get to know some of these people. And so um, one day, um, I'm going through McDonald's. I order my, my drink, and they're like, great, we'll have the total at the window. And I'm like, it's eight. And so um, I drive up, and as I'm driving, I feel like the Spirit of God says, hey, I want you to tell that person that I love them. I want you to tell them Jesus loves you. What? Like, I'm just here to get a Diet Coke. I got to be at a meeting. I got some pastor stuff to do, right? I mean, what? <laughs> I know, right? That's good, yeah. <laughs> Tell them Jesus loves them. So I get up there, man. I get my drink, and man, I'm about to like, really? I mean, this is going to be weird, and God, and maybe, no. Hey, I just need to tell you something. I felt like I'm supposed to tell you this today, and I want you to hear this. Jesus loves you. And I just wait, I was waiting for it. It's almost like sitting on the airplane, waiting for the person to sit down and go, so what do you do, right? It's just like, <laughs> you know what? They just kind of looked at me for a moment and said, hey, thank you for telling me that. Thank you for telling me that. And here's what I believe. I believe that that person probably won't forget that. So there I was going to HEB because everybody knows I've got an eating problem. And so at HEB, at HEB, um, I spent some money there too, and, uh, and uh, I, I loved Mary at the Cooking Connection because she always taught me fascinating dishes to make. Um, and, and so at HEB, I'm, I'm going through, and I start to get to know a few of the people at the checkout lanes, and, and sure enough, one day, I, I want you to tell them Jesus loves Are you sure, God? I've got a staff meeting I've got to be at in 30 minutes. I mean, no. Jesus loves you. These are our three words, Jesus loves you. So then it's just kind of as I, was, as I was going, as God would lead, I start to do this. And can I tell you, let's just say out of 10 different times, eight out of those 10 moments were very, I mean, people responded with almost this kind of, and they didn't expect it, but they were thankful for it. And, and I really believe this. Listen, I believe that these are three small words that can change everything for somebody. It could, it could begin a conversation that matters. It could begin a relationship that matters. Pastor Jacob was, was somewhere last week and got into a conversation with someone and, and, and basically had a conversation that was probably similar to this, and that person has been here and received Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior since that. In fact, it just happened about an hour ago. Pretty awesome. It's three small words that can change Everything, it's simple, but for whatever reason, it's so difficult to do, isn't it? Can we just be real for a second? It's kind of tough. I mean, what are they going to think about you? How are they going to respond? And some of you are like, 
I've got an introvert bubble, okay? I just, I know. Believe it or not, me too. After church, I will go die for five hours alone in my room because I just, I'm done, right? I get it. These are three words that can change everything for somebody. Let me tell you a story real fast, then we'll end pretty quickly. I read a story this week, actually, about a guy named Bill Wilson. He was a pastor in New York City, and the area that he pastored was a pretty violent area. In fact, it was so violent, over the the time that he was ministering to people, he was physically stabbed two times, just ministering to people. So it was a very rough space. And and one day, um, this... uh, this Puerto Rican woman came into the church, and there was a language barrier. She didn't really speak a lot of English, but, but through the course of, you know, just God working that day, she, she surrenders her life to Jesus, and, and man, what, what God had done in her, she just couldn't contain. So she goes to the pastor. She, she want, what she's trying to say is, what's happened to me? I, I want to help. I, I want to make a difference. I want to minister is what she was trying to say. So finally, he kind of figures out what she's trying to say to him, and and he, he starts to engage that. He's like, great, um, you know, so you want to serve. Do you have any certain talents or any things that you like to do? Well, of course, again, language barrier. And she kind of, thought, they figure out finally kind of the, the conversation. And, and she's like, no. Um, but he realizes through, throughout some way of, of this talk that she loves kids. And so he, he says, okay, awesome. Here's what we'll do. There's a bus every week that goes to, to pick these kids up and, and bring them to church and take them home. I want you to ride that bus and just love kids. P.S., can I just say side note? In fact, I texted Taylor Johnson about this not long ago. I've got a vision for us to have some sort of bus or people mover of some sort because we've got a mission right across the highway full of teenagers who, if we went over there and picked them up, they would come to church every week. I want to do it. So that's what this lady's doing, right? So she's, so she's on this bus, and, and what she would do is she would look for the most down and out and just broken kids she could find. Well, there's this little boy that she would see, and so she would say, hey, sit with me, and she'd, she'd put it, him on her lap, and every day they'd ride to church, and because she didn't speak a lot of English, all she really knew to say to him was, I love you, and Jesus loves you. I love you, and Jesus loves you. Over and over and over to church and to home. The boy would never speak to her. It's like he, he didn't ever even speak. And, and for weeks, she would do this. I love you, and Jesus loves you. The boy would get on the bus to go home. I love you, and Jesus loves you. I love you, and Jesus loves you. Finally, all of a sudden, she was completely shocked because one day he just kind of whipped around on her lap and, and just kind of staggered and stammered. He said, I, I, I love you too. And he hugged her, and he got off the bus and ran home. She was just blown away. 2.30 on a Sunday afternoon, taking him home for church. It was at 6.30 that very Sunday night that tragically they found that little boy dead. His mom was abusive and literally beat him to death and threw his body in the trash. And that's where they found him. (laughs) Listen to me though. (laughs) I love you and Jesus loves you. Probably the last words that little boy really ever heard, that he really heard. Fact is, a little boy that probably never even knew what real love was, much less had never been told that he was loved. And here's this, this lady from a different country, felt like she had very little to give, very little talent, but she just wanted to make a difference because of the difference that God had been making in her life. Didn't feel like she had a lot to give, barely even spoke English, but she gave so willingly of herself to share the most three powerful words with people that had actually changed her life. 
Three little words that can change everything for somebody. Because of that, that little boy who'd probably never really been loved or even heard the word love in home, he experienced and responded to the love of Christ in this woman. I love you too. So about three weeks ago, um, as we were talking about this, um, Pastor Aaron's in my office and we're, we're talking about this series and I'd asked him to preach last week and did a great job. Thank you for that. And, and, um, and he starts telling me the story about his son, Gray. And he tells me, and I'm looking at him just completely like, wait, what? I said, tell me that again. Because I could not believe the story. The story absolutely confirmed everything about this whole series and what I felt like God was saying to me months ago about us as a church and what we needed to be thinking about and what we needed to be doing and how we needed to be responding to God. And oh, but from the mouths of babes, I want you to hear, hey, Gray, will you come here? You can bring your dad too. He's a pretty cool guy. All right. So this is Gray. Everybody, let's welcome Gray up here. I'm going to give you this. Be careful with it. Okay. There's a future preacher right here, I'm going to tell you. So, Gray, you felt like that a few weeks ago, right, God asked you to do something. Yes, he, yes. he told me to, uh, well, we were actually at the store, and uh, he told me to tell someone that God loves them. It actually took me three days to actually do it. The first day, we went to a, I don't know, I don't know, Target, but it was a store. Target, no. Not Target. Okay. Target. I'm sorry. Keep going. Yeah. Well, we went to a store, and, well, I forgot. Second day, he reminded me again. I forgot again. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to make it funny. <laughs> third day. Good things happen on day three, though. Go ahead. <laughs> on the third day, I finally remembered. During the store, whenever we were walking down aisles, I just let God talk to me, and, like, I asked him questions like, this person? No. And then Jesus would respond, like, yes or no. Then finally, he told me, the next person in your aisle. Then we moved over. Then we moved. And then the next person in my aisle was a lady, and, um, well, I was so so, so, well, first, before that, before I get that far. <laughs> You're good. You're good, man. <laughs> tell, tell the story. Okay. Where was I again? Before you got that far. <laughs> oh, yeah, so I was in the aisle. Well, the, I asked Jesus, um, that person, or was since it was the next person in my aisle and told, told me for the next person in my aisle. So I asked him, that person? Then he said, yes. So then I said, well, then I walked up to her, not completely, but... Were you nervous? I was extremely nervous. I, hived, I had to make sure I said that. <laughs> so, so you walked up to her, and what happened? My mind was rushing, and it was just like, when do I say it? When do I say it? Wah. And finally, well, my mom was just like, when is she going to have a free time? you got to do it before she leaves. Because your mom was in a hurry, right? Is that what you told me earlier? 
No, not really. My mind was in a hurry. Your mind was in a hurry. It was just like... See, all this time I thought, Britta, you were like rushing. The kid's trying to evangelize. You're like, hurry, we got to get out to Target. Take my money, Chip and Joanna. Yeah, go ahead. My mom was just going crazy. Okay. Then finally she took her item off the, like, wall thing. Thingy doodle. (laughs) Then um, she put it in her buggy. Hopefully you know what that is. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Good. And then I walked up to her and said, excuse me, can I tell you something? And then she said, yes. I said, I want you to know that God loves you. Then she said, I'm glad he loves you too. And I love him. Then after that, I just walked away. So let me, (laughs) come on, that's awesome. So, So let me ask you a question, Gray. Do you feel like that this is something that God wants you to continue to do? Yes, I, I feel like he does. Yeah. I feel like he really wants me to. I feel like it'll happen again, maybe like next week or some next week or something. When you're at Target again, probably. <laughs> I'm just playing. <laughs> Can we just give it up? Thank you. My guess is gonna be Walmart. Maybe Walmart, yeah. <laughs> At least. Thanks, Greg. <laughs> so this is why I couldn't believe it when, when Pastor Aaron told me that, because it's like, in fact I knew he knew he was preaching. I was like, you can't tell that story. That's my story now. That, I know that's your kid. That's my story, right? Like, sorry, that's week five, buddy, not week four. And so I, I, but I couldn't believe it because it's like the childlike faith to hear from the Lord and say, okay, yeah, I'll do that, God. And you were nervous, weren't you? But how cool is it that you were able to look at someone and encourage them that way? <laughs> I love it. <laughs> So here's, here's, as we close, I'm going to invite the team up here. Um, here's what I want you to do. Would you hold up your, your arm for a second? Hold up your hand, in fact. See that? Count that. What is that? Five. I'm going to challenge you. Not just this week. This would be a new liturgy of life for us, that we begin to ask, God, would you show me the five this week? Who are the five people that need to be encouraged? And I know it's tough, but I want you to think about this just... Uh, Two weeks ago, if I'm recalling, we, when I saw the, the metrics for Sunday, we, there was 451 people here. So let's just make it 400 for easy math. So I'm, I'm going hyper-conservative. Could you imagine if 400 people this week told five people, hey, Jesus loves you? Wow. That's a lot of people in our area hearing three little words that can change everything for them. Can you imagine what happens over the course of a month, over the course of a year? I can't even do that math. There's too many decibels and moving place values. And, but listen, can you imagine the kind of difference that could happen in this city just within a few months or year if people who authentically love Jesus would authentically love people enough to tell them that Jesus loves you? I've been thinking a lot about that Penn Jillette video that I showed a few weeks back. If you weren't here catch up with a series through podcast, but Penn and Teller, and Penn said that statement. He said, if this is true, if all this is real, how much would you have to hate somebody to not tell them? Five people. I want to, here's what we're doing, church. We're shifting gears a little bit. It's way bigger than just, hey, when are we going to have this study and that, you know, offering and da-da-da. Listen, 
I love you. And, and of course, we want to have a dynamic church to meet your needs. But, but I, I don't want us to be a church about trying to, to, to you know, just pacify your preferences. I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. I want us to be a church that sees the need and is willing to meet the need and see people as God sees people and respond rightly and love people, value people, minister to people. Be Jesus to people. Be a bringer. Bring people to Jesus. I'd love for you to bring them to church, but don't hear, bring people to Jesus. Take Jesus to people. Father, would you show me five this week? And if that's too hard, God, I'll show me one. Who are they, God? Father, would you speak to us this week, all week, God, as we go, would you just, oh, God, would you just um, so deeply fill us and encourage us, empower us, Holy Spirit of God, Would you move us and to be moved by the needs of people, to be moved by the hurting that's in people, that God, we would love people the way you love them. God, that we would reach out to people and bring a life-giving three little word message that might change everything for them. Oh God, move in us. Move in us in such a powerful way. Don't let anything stand in our way, God. Not shame, not fear, not busyness. God, may we see people the way you see them. And may we love people enough to bring them to you, Jesus. We pray in Jesus' name. Church, would you stand to your feet with me?